Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1. The sweet singer of Israel there makes the cry or the declaration. As the heart panteth after the water's brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. He says, When shall I come and appear before God? As I've said on numerous occasions, I think that sometimes we read the Bible and we see the black print on the white page and we don't give proper thought or consideration to what we're reading. And I think because of that, we miss some of the most beautiful lessons there are to encourage us and to educate us and to teach us the ways of God as we travel along life's pathway. For instance, when David says here, as the heart... That's not the H-E-A-R-T heart, that muscle, that pump that sends the blood as it courses through the veins of my body. It's not that heart which serves as the biblical heart of man, the mind of man, that part with which we love God. But David there is speaking of the H-A-R-T heart the very finest of the breed or the herd of the red deer. David said, as the red deer panteth. It means to be overwhelmed with desire. As the red deer is overwhelmed with desire for a drink from the cool, refreshing mountain stream after being chased, David said, in that same way, my soul is overwhelmed after Thee, O God, and Thy refreshing grace. David said, I am overwhelmed with a desire to please God. When I think about this, and I think of this as the heart panteth, my mind immediately goes back to those old TV westerns that I watched when I was a kid. And yes, they did have TV then. And I remember watching those westerns and these guys would be traveling across the desert and the horse would die and, they'd, and the horse would collapse and they'd shoot the horse and they'd be dragging the saddle along and then they'd leave the saddle. And they're just parched and dry and desperate for a drink of water. Picture that kind of desperation for some water. And that's just how desperate David's desire is to please God. Now, you know, when David says, I want to please God more than I want to do anything else in this world, I don't doubt that. And, and that's not always true. You know, sometimes we hear folks talk about, oh, I want, to, I want to serve God and I want to live for God and I want to do what God wants me to do. But a lot of times with us, that's just so much lip service. A lot of times with us, it's just like that old story of the two men out on the lake fishing one Sunday morning. And these two men are out fishing in the middle of the lake on Sunday morning, and one of them turns to the other in that nice big bass boat. And he says, you know, I feel kind of bad being out here fishing this morning and not being in worship. The other one says, well, I couldn't have gone to church this morning anyway. My wife's sick. I'd have had to stay home with her. But David doesn't just give it lip service. 
Not only does David say, I want to please God more than anything else in this world, David lays down five or six evidences in this 42nd Psalm. Things that prove beyond the shadow of any doubt that David wants to please God. For instance, one of the things David says in that 42nd Psalm, if you give it a careful reading, David says, I went with them to the house of God. David said, I went with them to worship God. But he doesn't just say that. David says, I went with them to worship God. It indicates it was a priority with David. It was something that was important with David. It was something that was on David's agenda as a regular thing to do. But David also says, I went there. How did you go, David? I went there with joy and thanksgiving. It's the same thing we've got on the bottom of that order of worship. The one that has the wrong date inside today. It says, where David said in Psalms 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. David looked forward to it. David looked forward to an opportunity to go and worship God. It wasn't like worship later became in the days of Malachi, when worship had become a weariness. When God's people were offering sacrifices on the altar of God, of animals that were lame and sick and disfigured. And Malachi said, Has worship become so weary to you, you offering polluted sacrifices on the altar of God? Go give it to the governor. See if the governor would be pleased with the kind of sacrifices you're offering to God. And I've known people. Well, you know, I, I know... I know I don't go to church like I should. But you know, it seems like, and I know I ought to go to church. But you know, it seems like every time I go to church, the very first person I run into is old Brother Loudmouth. And he is always slapping you on the back, and he's always yelling at you about something. He's always, and it just drives me nuts. To have to go to worship and the first person I see is old brother Loudmouth. Or somebody said, well, you know, I know, I know, but you know, every time I have gone, there's old sister Loose Tongue there. And you know, she never has anything good to say about anything or anybody. And she's nice to me to my face and I wonder what she says about me behind my back. And I just can't stand breathing the same air that that woman breathes. And so I just, I just can't go to worship. With that woman going to be in worship there? Are you listening to me? Anybody that's got that kind of attitude causing them to stay away from the worship of the saints of God needs to be there at the very next opportunity and needs to pray to God to do something about their attitude when they get there. That wasn't the way David felt. David said, I went with them to the house of God. How did you go, David? I went there with joy and thanksgiving. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. David said, I kept holy day. What do you mean, David? He said, I kept that day the way God wanted me to keep it. 
Now, David had the Sabbath day. But David observed the Sabbath, and David kept the Sabbath the way God wanted David to keep the Sabbath. We don't have the Sabbath day. We have the Lord's day. We've got a new covenant. A covenant the Hebrew writer tells us is built upon better promises and better hopes than that old covenant that they had. And we don't have the Sabbath. We have the Lord's day. God's day that set aside. I was talking to someone the other day and talking about my grandfather and how that when I was a boy, I hated spending the weekend with my grandmother and granddaddy Perkins because my granddaddy was a logger and he had mules. And you know what mules have to have? Feed. And if you spent the weekend with Grandmother and Granddaddy Perkins on Saturday morning right after breakfast, you went to the feed store. And you got a load of feed. And then you drove out in the boondocks 20 or 30 or 40 miles to wherever the set was that they were logging from, and he had a temporary pen built for those mules. And you had to go and feed the mules. And you had to put out enough feed on Saturday morning to feed those mules till Monday morning. You had to put out Saturday's feed and you had to put out Sunday's feed because, folks, Granddaddy Perkins said Sunday is the Lord's day. And I'm not coming to the logwoods and feed the mules on the Lord's day. Oh, that we could get back to that kind of an attitude. Now, how do we usually observe Holy Day? Well, for one thing, we can usually sleep just a little bit later on Sunday morning than we do any other day during the week. And then after we sleep a little later and we have all the coffee we want or whatever else it is, we finally make it to worship. And at this point, we've been here now for 40 minutes. So by this point, it's time to start checking and see if our watches are still running. And it's time to start wondering if Sunday dinner's going to burn. And it's time to start wondering if I'm going to beat the crowd to, to Whataburger or to Subway or to T&R or to wherever it is I'm going or if I'm going to be able to get home and get lunch on the table. And then we've got to go eat lunch, and we'll usually eat a big meal on Sunday. And then if we've, if we've eaten at home and we eat a big meal on Sunday, assuming there's nothing important on TV like the Cowboys or the Giants, we will go in and we will put our stomachs on the couch and lay down beside them and take a nice long nap. Now, if the Cowboys or the Giants are on television, well, we'll make sure that we don't miss that. I never will forget the first place I ever preached regularly. And I won't call the name of it, but the song leader would look at me on Sunday morning, and he'd say, Son, why don't we start about five minutes early today? The Cowboys are kicking off at 12. I'd look at him and I'd call his name and shake my head. I said, Brother so-and-so, you sure do. I've got to admire a man has his priorities in order. 
I'll never forget this guy. Loved him dearly. Great guy. Sat in that corner right there. Not in this building somewhere else. Sat right there. After 15 minutes every Sunday morning, you'd see this number. He'd be sitting there and he'd have his arm up on the bench and turn around and gander at the clock and wonder just how much longer we're going to be there. David said, I kept holy day. Do we keep holy day for God or do we just give God a token of our time? Do we spend any time this afternoon, will we spend any time calling someone that wasn't able to be in worship this morning? Will we go and see someone? Will we call someone? Will we encourage someone? Will we study our Bible? I read something the other day where a congregation decided that they were going to make Sunday evening more relevant for their members. So they changed the title of the Sunday evening service to 60 Minutes so that folks might feel more at home. How do we keep Holy Day? How do we observe the Lord's Day? David said, I went with them to the house of God. I went there with joy and thanksgiving. I kept Holy Day. But that's not all David said. David said, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. What was David saying there? David says, God, I'm humble before you. I'm humble in thy sight. I'm humble in thy presence, O God. It wasn't like Nebuchadnezzar, the king that walked into the palace of Babylon and said, Is not this great Babylon that I've built by the might of my power and the glory of my majesty? Because Nebuchadnezzar was proud before God, because he was haughty and arrogant before God. It says he was driven to the beast of the field. His hair was grown like eagle feathers, and his nails were like bird claws. That's an image I wouldn't want. Or what about that rich, wealthy farmer in Luke chapter 12? Jesus tells that parable there about the ground of that rich farmer whose crops were abundant one year. He said, what am I going to do? My barns aren't big enough. I can't hold all this. He said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my old barns. I'll build greater barns. And I'll say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. He forgot about God that had given the seasons of the year. He forgot about God that had given life to the seed. He forgot about God that had given the productivity of the soil and the sun and the rain. He was proud and he was haughty before God and he was reliant upon himself. And Jesus said, God said, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, and then who shall all these things be which thou possessest? Or that Pharisee and the publican that went to pray in Luke chapter 18. And the Pharisee prays and he says, God, I'm grateful I'm not like other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, I... I fast twice a week. I give tithes of everything I had. And he tells God how, how lucky God is to have him for one of his servants. And this publican's over there. He won't lift his eyes toward heaven. He smote his breast. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that that publican went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. He said, for everyone that exalteth himself will be humbled he that humbleth himself, he said, shall be exalted. David said, Oh my God, 
My soul is cast down within me. Are we humble in the sight of God the way God would have us to be? Or do we appear in the presence of God proud and haughty and arrogant before God? David said, I remember thee, O God. Now, you know, you can say what you want to. But you like to be remembered. All of us like to be remembered. How many times have you been somewhere, maybe somewhere where you used to live or somewhere where you used to go to church, and you walk up to somebody and you start talking to them, and you look at them and say, you don't remember me, do you? And they look at you and, no, I, I really don't. And then they tell you, then you tell them who you are. But you're saddened, aren't you? You remembered them, but they didn't remember you. Of course, sometimes with us, it, it may be like that situation where that, that woman went to the dentist one day, and she thought that the dentist's name sounded familiar to her. And uh, she uh, was talking to him, and she said, You know, I went to school with someone. Uh, with the same name that you have? He said, really? She said, yeah. She was figuring this guy might be a distant relative or something because he was so old looking. And she, he said, well, I went to high school at, at such and such a high school. She said, well, well, that's funny. She said, I was there. She said, when did you graduate? And he said, well, I graduated in 1975. She said, well, that's when I was there. And he looked at her and said, really, what did you teach? But we like to be remembered. We like for folks to remember who we are. We like for folks to remember our name. Dale Carnegie said, the sweetest music there is to a person is their name. David said, God, I remember thee. God knew about us. God knew about our memory. And God knew that you and I were forgetful people. Remember what we talked about in Bible class this morning? When the priests of the twelve tribes stepped into the swollen waters of the Jordan River, God told all the leaders of those tribes to take each man from each tribe take a stone, build a monument in there where they crossed the Jordan. So that in future generations when future generations of Israel will say, well, what meaneth these stones? That's where the Lord parted the waters for us to cross the Jordan into the promised land on dry ground. God said, put it there for a remembrance, for a stone of remembrance. God knew we were forgetful. That's why Jesus, the night before He was crucified, He took bread and He blessed it and broke it. He told those apostles in that upper room in Jerusalem, He said, eat this. This is My body. As oft as you do it, do it in remembrance of Me. And in the same way, He took fruit of the vine. He blessed it said, this is My blood which is shed for you. As oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, this do, He said, in remembrance of Me. That's the feast we observed just a moment ago. We took the bread. We took the fruit of the vine and we did it to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross on Calvary's hill to cleanse our soul from sin. 
we like to be remembered. It's a memorial feast where the family of God gathers around the table. You know, I remember as a boy, my grandmother would fix Thanksgiving dinner for all the family, her sisters and their families, and we would just have people everywhere. I remember through the years as time went on, there were different ones that passed on to the other side. There were different ones that because of family obligations or moving weren't there. I remember when someone's seat was vacant at that family table. I remember my grandmother would be sad. Well, I wish that so-and-so could be with us today. The families gathered together and all the families here, and I wish that my sister could be here, or my nephew could be here. And if someone wasn't present, oftentimes it brought tears to her eyes. I wonder sometimes, when the family of God gathers around the Lord's table, and members of God's family aren't present to do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ, I wonder if God's heart is saddened. I know it is. If my grandmother could feel such sadness when some of her earthly family was not present for a family meal, how much greater must be the sadness of my Lord when we don't remember Him and gather around His table for the memorial feast. David said, I want to please God more than anything else in this world. And to prove that, I went to the house of God. I went there with joy and thanksgiving. I kept holy day. I'm humble before you, O God. And God, I have you always in my memory. Now, are we like David? Do we really down deep inside have a burning desire to please God more than anything else in this world? Or are we like the rich young ruler of Mark chapter 10. The young man that came running to Jesus. And he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Thou callest me good. There's none good but God. But if you would enter into life, keep the commandments. And the young man said, Which ones? And Jesus enumerated them. He said, I've done this from my youth up. What do I like now? Jesus said, If you'll be complete, go sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. Come follow me. And the record tells us he went away sorrowful. He had great possessions. He wasn't willing to give up what God wanted him to give up to follow Jesus. He came to Jesus with that spirit that, Lord, I want to follow You. Lord, I want to please You. But he wasn't willing to do what he had to do. How about us this morning? Do we want to please God more than anything else in this world? Or do we just give God lip service? Are you a Christian? Have you in simple trusting faith, believing in Christ with all of your heart, turning your back on sin through repentance, confessed the name of Christ and been buried in the waters of baptism to wash away those sins? If you haven't done it, I'd beg you to do it before you leave this building. Or have you done it? But along the way, God hasn't been as important to you as He should have. You haven't lived God's kind of life and other folks have seen that. And they've thought less of the Lord and less of the church because of it. You need to come back and 
let brothers and sisters pray with you and for you. The choice is yours. The decision is yours. The invitation is the Lord's as we stand.